What a great reminder. Hey, I just want to, before we get into the sermon this morning, I want to just kind of take an opportunity and just again remind you that we really have kind of a historic opportunity to really exercise one of the most basic tenets of freedom uh, that we have in this country, and that is, again, that freedom to vote, the freedom to choose the leadership that's going to lead us um, in these uh, next couple of years. And again, this is not a, a freedom, again, that uh, we want to take uh, for granted, because there's just are a lot of uh, places, a lot of countries uh, in this world where people do not have that basic freedom to be able to choose uh, who leads them. And so uh, I just want to just encourage you to get out this week if you've uh, not voted. Maybe some of you have already voted by absentee, but just to get out and, again, just to, uh, to exercise that basic tenet of liberty uh, to, to vote. I believe we are on the threshold of just some major, major changes uh, in this country. I think changes maybe that we have never, ever um, just had to deal with uh, in the uh, nation before. And again, you know, just an example, you don't saddle a country with $18 trillion in debt and get out of that without a little pain and a whole lot of extraordinary leadership. And so on that one issue alone, um, there are many others, but just on that one issue alone, we really are going to need um, leaders uh, who are strong, who are courageous, uh, godly uh, in moving forward and trying to help this nation recover. Uh, the right and only course for this country is we've got to have the same kind of leadership that we had when this country was founded over 200 years ago. Now, I know there's a lot of revisionist historians out there who kind of want to rewrite the whole founding of this country, or they kind of want to void or water down the Christian faith and heritage in her founding, but unfortunately, that history uh, has long been preserved, and most of us remember Patrick Henry, and he was the one who really kind of lit the flame of the American Revolution, and he gave a very, very impassioned speech uh, in the Virginia Assembly on March 23rd, 1775, and if you ever took just basic government history in high school, you probably have heard a portion of this quote, but it was in that time that he said, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased with the price of chains and slavery? He said, forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Now again, if you've had a basic course in American government, a lot of us remember that. But I also want to remind you something else that Patrick Henry also said uh, as one of the founders of this great nation. He said, you know what? It cannot be emphasized too much or repeated too strongly that America was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not upon religions, but upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now again, there are many, many people, many in leadership positions of this country today who do not want us to remember or acknowledge that. George Washington, one of the founding fathers and the first president of our country, read from the Bible the day he was inaugurated. He took his oath of office with his hand upon the Bible and then he leaned down and he kissed the pages of God's word. How many of you know what George Washington's first official act of office was? Washington took the entire Senate and the House of Representatives to church for a two-hour worship service. It was there that Washington made the following statement. He said it would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplication 
to that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the council of nations, and whose providential aids can supply every human defect that his benediction may consecrate to the liberties and happiness of the people of the United States. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs more than the people of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. You know what Washington was saying? He was basically saying, God did it. God and God alone established America. Now you contrast Washington's first official act with that of this current president, Barack Obama. Anybody here know what one of Barack Obama's first official acts of office was? He signed an executive order ending the Mexico City policy. And that was a policy which banned or forbid federal grants to international groups that provided abortion services or counseling. Washington, his first act was to take the Senate, the House of Representatives, to church. Obama's first act was to sign an order allowing taxpayer, American taxpayer monies to be used to provide abortions in third world countries. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had too many leaders like Obama and their leadership and their influence is having a devastating effect on this country and it is time to reverse course. If we ever stand a chance of returning this country to its original founding based upon Judeo-Christian faith upon the Constitution, we need to elect more men and women with the status, the faith of Patrick Henry and George Washington. Proverbs 29 verse two says this, when the righteous or the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rules, the people mourn. The mess we are currently in, the horrific pain we are heading toward as a country is a direct result of the wicked ruling this great nation. So please, I ask you, as Pastor Jim said, pray and get out and vote. Vote your biblical values. Vote for men and women who are committed to governing for righteousness, men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have had enough of the separation of church and states, and the effects of that are destroying this nation. It is time for the church to rise up and to once again lead the state of this nation based upon the gospel and the example of Jesus Christ. One of the many things that... um, I love about Jesus are are just all of the different names and and titles uh, that Jesus is known by or known as. We we call him Lord, we call him Savior, we call him Redeemer. We, We may refer to him as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And those are all very, very common, very popular titles Uh, that we refer to Jesus Christ as. But something that we often don't really think about, but yet is equally true, is Jesus Christ was the greatest leader ever, ever to walk the face of the earth. And oftentimes we don't think about Jesus in that capacity as a leader. But leadership is really one of the key essentials in helping us to become all that God wants us to be. 
As a matter of fact, it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. And that's true. That's true of every single area or facet of life. Without wise leadership, families are in trouble. Without wise leadership, businesses are in trouble. Without wise leadership, communities are in trouble. Without wise leadership, churches are in trouble. Without wise leadership, the world is in trouble. Because as John Maxwell is fond of saying, he said, everything rises or falls on leadership. Now again, You may be here this morning and you may be kind of tempted to think to yourself, well, I'm just going to check out for the rest of the morning because I'm not a leader. I don't consider myself to be a leader. I don't aspire to be a leader. I don't lead anything. Well, the truth of the matter is every one of you in here this morning, regardless of your age, regardless of where you are, your station in life, every one of us in this room is a leader, whether you realize it or not. Because you know what? Leadership in one word is influence. Ken Blanchard in his book, The Servant Leader, he says this. He says, leadership is an influence process. Anytime you are trying to influence the thought and actions of others toward goal accomplishment, either in their personal or professional life, he said, you are engaging in leadership. So it's not a question this morning of are you a leader or are you not a leader? Every one of you in this room is a leader. The question is, are you a good leader or a bad leader? Are you an effective leader or an ineffective leader? Are you a good leader or a bad? Do you lead in a positive or a negative way? Because everyone influences someone. We never know who or how much we influence, but every one of us influences someone at some level. So every time you interact with someone, you're taking on the role of leadership in their life. Every time you influence someone, you are taking on the capacity of leadership over that person's life. And again, this morning, if you're here and you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, again, who is one of the greatest leaders, who exerted the greatest influence that will ever be felt upon the face of the earth, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, God wants to use you as a leader. God wants to use you to influence other people's lives for righteousness, for goodness, so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks and we're going to look at how do we improve that? How do we increase that level of leadership, that level of influence, whether that's in your home, with your friends, in school, in the marketplace, wherever, in your sphere of influence? Because no matter where that's at, God says, I want to use you in that place. I want to use you in that role. And I want to use you in a way that will influence others for righteousness rather than influencing them for wickedness. Again, there's no perfect leader. No one is a perfect leader. I'm not, you're not, nobody is. The only perfect leader is Jesus Christ. So we need to look to him and to look at his example. So today I kind of want to just look at what I think are probably four of the basic leadership principles that we can see from the life of Jesus. And the first principle 
of leadership that I believe God wants to build into our lives is the principle of identification. Again, that is, I must know who I am. That's really kind of the starting point. It really is the foundation of leadership. I must know who I am. Warren Bennis, the USC professor who's written a couple of dozen books on leadership, he calls this self-awareness. Again, all great leaders are are very self-aware. They know their strengths. They also know their weaknesses. They accept their strengths. They admit their weaknesses. And again, every one of us in this room, one of the things we hold in common is every one of us has some great strengths. And every one of us here this morning have some great weaknesses. I have some great strengths, and I also have some great weaknesses. And again, every one of us in this room, we are a mixture and a bundle of both. Leadership, again, is not ignoring one in favor of the other. It's being honest about both your strengths and your weaknesses. Again, good, effective leaders are, are, are those who don't try to be something they're not. Again, they're very self-aware. They know who they are. And Jesus exemplified this. He had no doubt about his identity. Jesus uh, knew exactly who he was. And you'll see that kind of throughout the Gospels. There Jesus will say things like, I am. And then he'll go on to describe what he is. I am the light of the world. I am the son of God. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. And I've listed just a few. And the fact is there are many, many more very, very self-descriptive ways that Jesus identifies himself. He'll start off by saying, I am, and then he'll go on to tell us who he is. And the interesting thing there is, Jesus never let anybody define him. He knew exactly who he was. He said, I am this, I am this, I am this. And again, if you're going to be a, a great leader, if you want to exert great influence in other people's lives, you've got to start with that basic foundation of knowing who you are. Leaders do not look to other people for identification or validation. Jesus said in John 8, 18, he said, I testify on my own behalf. Now, what did he mean by that? He's saying, I don't depend on, I don't look to other people's opinions to tell me who I am. Jesus said, I know exactly who I am, and so I testify out of that on my own behalf. Pastor Mark does an excellent job of really kind of driving this whole point of identification, of knowing who we are when he preaches And one of the things that Mark is very fond of doing is he's always reminding you and I who we are in Christ, our identity in Jesus. And so oftentimes you'll hear Mark kind of just again reaffirm over and over that you and I, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we are an heir of God and a joint heir or a co-heir with Jesus, that we are chosen and beloved by God, that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that we are a new creation in Christ. We are God's workmanship created by God for good works through Christ. And so again, on and on, uh, he'll use scripture and we can use scripture as a way again to, to, to know who we are in Christ. So it's through our new birth, it's through the revelation of God's word that we can discover who we are, our identity in Christ. 
So that first principle is identification. Second principle of leadership is clarification. I must know what I want to do. What do I want to accomplish with my life? We must clarify what has God called you to do with your life. And again, this is so important because the direction of your life is your choice. You have that freedom in this country to choose to be who you want to be, to do what you want to do. And good leaders know what they're trying to accomplish, where they're headed, how God is wanting to use them. They know what they want to accomplish. And again, when you clarify your goal in life, your purpose in life, then you really are kind of set free from the tyranny of the urgent and the unimportant. In other words, you're just really able to focus like a laser beam and not get sidetracked by all the distractions. And again, we see this exemplified in the life of Jesus. He knew exactly what he was called to do. He he knew exactly what God's plans and purposes were for him. Jesus knew exactly why God put him here on this earth. He had very clear-cut goals. And again, just go back and look at the words of Jesus in John 8. He says, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. How many of you ever just kind of get to the end of your day and you kind of look back on it and you wonder, did I accomplish anything today? And you and I both know there's a big difference between activity and productivity. You can be really, really busy in life, but you're really, in actuality, just spinning your wheels. Again, beware of that busyness of life uh, that that really can bind you up and, and, you know, you won't get anything accomplished Uh, of importance. What turns activity into productivity is purpose. What's your purpose? What is God calling you to do with your life? Because when you have a purpose in life, when you know exactly why you are doing what you are doing, and you know why you're moving in the direction you're moving, that is strategic And that's a strategy. And Jesus had a very clear calling, a very clear purpose, and a very clear strategy for his life. He not only knew who he was, but he also knew what he was trying to accomplish with his life. That's why I said in Luke 4, 43, he said, I must proclaim the good news, for I was sent for this very purpose. You know what the first recorded words of Jesus were? 12-year-old kid Mom and dad searching frantically for him, find him in the temple. And so he wasn't even a teenager, just a 12-year-old boy. And he said to them, I must be about my father's business. First recorded public statement of Jesus at 12 years old. He knew what God wanted him to accomplish with his life. I must be about my father's business. In other words, he already knew what God wanted him to accomplish with his life. And then you may remember the last three words that he spoke at the very end of his life was, it is finished. Friends, those are the bookends of a strategic, fulfilled, successful life. I know what God is calling me to do with my life, and I did it. It means to know who you are. What do you want to accomplish? What has God put you on this earth to do? Then comes the third principle of leadership, motivation. Motivation really is knowing who is it that you're trying to please. 
This is so important because you got to come to that place where you realize you can't please everybody. Again, every one of us needs to figure that out in life at some time. You can't please everyone, so you got to know, who am I trying to please? There was a time early on in ministry where I would find myself sometimes over here trying to, you know, uh, please and to massage group A. And while I was kind of tending to the needs of group A, group B would kind of get upset with me. And so I would kind of pull away from group A and kind of go over and begin to try to massage and to try to deal with and to try to please group B. And then as I was doing that, group A would get upset with me. And and you can just have all of these different groups of people that you're trying to please and you're kind of just volleying one Uh, to the next, and it didn't take me very long in ministry to kind of realize I can't please everyone. And I shared during first service, I think one of the traits that oftentimes uh, pastors uh, share in common is that a lot of us are driven by this need to be people pleasers. And so I had to kind of come to realize that, that I can't do that. I mean, not even Jesus could do that. How did I ever think I was going to be smart enough to be able to do something Jesus couldn't even do? Jesus said in Luke 16, 13, he said, no one can serve two masters. And I know he's talking about in regards to finances there, but you can take finances out and put anything else in there. And it basically carries the same truth. I cannot please more than one person. So know who you're going to please. If you're going to be an influential, godly leader, you're going to have to ask God to kind of give you tough skin and a tender heart. You're just going to have to say, Lord, help me not to get distracted. Help me not to get worried. Help me not to get sidelined about what other people think. But help me, God, to have and to keep a tender heart toward you, a tender heart towards your people, and not to worry about what people are saying. Do you ever wonder how Jesus handled this? I mean, Jesus, I mean, he, he had critics. He had people that were, uh, you know, uh, complimenters. Uh, and, and so, you know, how did Jesus handle all of this? Well, it's very, very simple. He lived for an audience of one. Jesus knew and he was very, very clear that one of his purposes on earth was to please his heavenly father alone. John 5.30, Jesus says this, I only try to please the one who sent me. Notice he says, I'm not out to win a popularity contest. I'm not out to get group A to like me. He said, I'm just here to please one person. He said, that is my heavenly father. And every one of us here this morning, if you're gonna be a great leader, if you're gonna be influential in other people's lives, you've got to learn the same lesson. You've got to learn not to care about so many different opinions, but just to care about God's opinion and focus on that. Because again, you can not please everybody. And if you try, you're just gonna end up in a, in a heap of frustration um, and exhaustion. Life is a marathon, and when you're running the race, there are just gonna be people in the stands who are gonna cheer you, and there are gonna be those that jeer you. And I'll tell you what, if you pay attention to either one, You're going to get sidetracked, you're going to stumble, and you will eventually lose your way in life. You cannot listen to the critics or the compliments at the same time. You just focus on what God has called you to do and be faithful to him and strive to please him and him alone. Someone once said you handle critics and compliments the same way as you chew gum. 
You chew on it a while, and then you spit it out. You certainly don't swallow it. Billy Graham said this when he was asked, how do you deal with all of the criticism that you get from people? He said, if you wrestle with a pig, both of you are going to get muddy, but only one of you is going to like it. And that is true. So if you're going to be an effective leader, if you're going to be somebody who wants to be influential in the lives of others, you've got to learn, don't listen to the critics or the compliments for very long. Again, you just got to be very clear in knowing who you are, know what God has called you to do to accomplish with your life, and just keep moving forward saying, I am striving to please an audience of one. Fourth principle of great leadership, of learning to live like Jesus, is the principle of meditation. That means just learning how to listen to God continually. Listening to God throughout your day. Making listening to God kind of a part of a habit, a lifestyle Um, in your walk. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 in regards to Jesus, it said very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Oftentimes we kind of think, you know, that uh, prayer is talking to God, and that really is uh, halfway true. Uh, Prayer is a conversation, and in a conversation it involves both talking and listening. I mean, what would it be if you had a conversation with someone and they kind of just do all the talking and, and you never got to talk back? Again, that wouldn't be a conversation. That's more kind of like a monologue. You hear about people, you know, I, I hear about people maybe who pray for, you know, 30 minutes or, or an hour and sometimes we hear stories like that and we just think, how in the world can anybody pray that long? I mean, I go one minute and I just kind of run out of things to do. Well, think about this. In your time with God, take part of that time, you know, like maybe if you're going to just set aside 30 minutes, take maybe 10 minutes of that time just to kind of talk to God and pray about things. And the other 20 kind of just sitting in silence and listening for the voice of God. I know sometimes in in our culture today, we are so frightened by silence. We're so used to having multiple things going on around us that the thought of shutting all of that down and just coming to a place of solitude and silence before God sometimes can just be very, very intimidating and frightening. Jesus said in John 10, 3, uh, again, he, he kind of affirms that over us. And he says, my sheep, if you're a believer... Jesus refers to you as a sheep, and he said, my sheep hear my voice. We have that ability to hear the voice of God. And oftentimes, the reason we can't hear his voice is because we are so busy, or there's so many distractions, so much noise going on around us that it really drowns out the voice of God. And there comes that time and place where we can just get into a place and just be silent before God where there's not many or no distractions. Again, Jesus said, you'll hear my voice. He said, I call my sheep by my name and I lead them out. We need to cultivate, we need to learn uh, how to recognize his voice and then take time to listen to what he's trying to say to you. I mean, again, you study Jesus' life. I mean, here was a man who, who was just clearly busy his entire three and a half years of ministry. And yet you'll notice no matter how hectic it got for Jesus, he always took time to get alone with God. Again, you go back and look at that scripture there in Mark 1.35, and there it kind of says that Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. 
And again, if you're gonna be a great leader, if you're gonna be influential in the lives of other people, you're gonna need to be around people. But you also need time away from people. You need time with people, and you need time alone with God. Luke 5 says this, now news about Jesus spread even more and more. In other words, he was becoming more and more popular, more and more sought out. It says crowds came to hear him and to be healed, but Jesus often, and again, circle that word, often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. Again, this was a habit. It was a lifestyle of Jesus. He felt the need to just get alone and to listen to God. And if that was important to Jesus, you know that has to be important to us as well. We need quiet times to reflect, to renew, to recharge. Pascal once said, all of man's problems come from his inability to sit still. And that's true. Psalm 46 kind of says, be still and know that I am God. You can't know God unless there are those times of stillness and silence. Again, if you're always moving, always busy, always listening to something else, eventually, again, you're going to just become overwhelmed and stressed out. The single greatest source of stress in life is when we get disconnected from God. Anytime throughout the day when we get disconnected from God, there's always going to be these warning signs. It's called stress. Oftentimes, stress in our lives, it's kind of just that siren, that warning light that's going off that's telling us you're disconnected from God and we need to get reconnected. Stress is that sign that kind of says, hello, time to stop, time to focus on God, time to come into his presence and get renewed. You're not walking in the spirit. It's time to get back into the flow of the spirit. We've got to get connected back to the source. And again, when you and I, when we get disconnected from God, it kind of creates all kinds of problems in life like fear, worry, guilt, shame, loneliness, and bitterness. Paul says this in Colossians 2, 7. He says, plant your roots in Christ. Let him be the foundation for your life. Be strong in your faith just as you were taught. And again, this is essential. It is the foundation of good leadership. The point is you can't lead, you can't influence like Jesus until you know Jesus personally. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never really opened your heart, your life, you've never ever invited Jesus to come in, to be uh, your Lord, your Savior, to be that example of godliness, of leadership, uh, uh, allowing God to teach you how to begin to influence and impact other people's lives for righteousness' um, sake. Again, you will never ever become the leader that God has designed you to become, you will never ever come to exert the level of influence God wants you uh, and to use you to exert over the lives of other people until you get connected to the source. Um, I know at first service, I wasn't up here when Pastor Mark opened up, but I know in first service, again, he kind of just talked about that, that need. If you've never ever opened your heart, your life, um, to God this morning, that, that it really is very, very simple. It's very, very easy to do. And I remember when I first became a Christian, my prayer was simply, as I went forward for the invitation, I simply just said, God, if you're who you say you are, would you just reveal that to my heart in an undeniable way? 
Now again, it wasn't a, you know, a prayer that you're going to ever find in a prayer manual anywhere, but it was a very, very simple, very basic prayer. And it just simply said, God, here's where I am. And if you're real, would you just show that to me in a very real way? And I think that's what really being a Christian is all about. There's a lot of definitions out there. One of my favorite definitions of what it means to be a Christian is just giving as much of myself as I understand to as much of Jesus Christ as I understand at this point, at this place in my life. That's really what being a Christian is. It's just simply saying, God, this is where I am. And God, I, I want to be open to knowing more of you. So God, would you come and just reveal that to my heart? It's, it's just saying, here's as much as I know about you. It may be nothing this morning. But God, I'm just acknowledging, here's what I know about you. And God, I just desire you to reveal yourself to me in an undeniable way. And God will answer that prayer. So again, it's just giving as much of yourself as you understand to as much of Jesus Christ as you understand at this place, this point in your walk and your journey with him. And I'll tell you what, the more you just give of yourself to God, the more you just open your heart uh, to him, God will begin to come and he will begin to reveal himself uh, to you. He will begin uh, to come and to shape and to mold you more and more into the image of his son. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to impact and to influence other people's lives. And again, uh, we got to get connected to the source. So if you're here this morning and you've never, ever invited God in, uh, again, it doesn't have to be a super fancy prayer. It can just simply be, God, I need to know you. I am ready to open that door to a relationship with you. And, and God will seize upon that honesty, that openness, and God will come in and begin to work and to change, to renew and to restore and to redeem uh, your life. Again, he wants to use you as a leader for his kingdom. He wants to use you to influence this generation for righteousness. Let's go ahead and stand together. I invite the worship team to come forward. I think one of the, one of the most influential moments in Jesus' life was when he met with his uh, disciples for the final time. I mean, he's getting ready to go to the cross to make that ultimate sacrifice, and he shares a very, very intimate meal with his disciples. And it was in that meal that he took this opportunity, he took a loaf of bread, and he lifted it up, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he said, every time you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And then you remember, he took the cup, and he lifted up the cup, and he gave it to God, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. He said, every time you do this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. And what Jesus was doing in that moment was he was influencing, he was exerting an influence over us that every time we would take this, we would be reminded of the incredible love that God has for us. In the breaking of that body and the shedding of that blood, he was basically saying to us, you will find no greater example of love than this. Jesus said, no, no greater love than this, than a man would lay down, give up his life for us. And in doing that, he was influencing, he was exerting influence to say, this 
is love. As a matter of fact, there is no greater example of God's love for you and me that he sent his son to die for us that we might find the gift of eternal life. So this morning, I just pray uh, wherever you may be this morning, maybe you're here and you've never ever really see yourself or thought of yourself as a leader. And yet as you kind of think about that, you kind of think, yeah, I do have influence. I mean, I have influence in my kid's life, or maybe you're in a place in your business, and you see yourself maybe as having, yeah, I do have an influence over people in my workplace. And maybe this morning is just an opportunity for you kind of just to say to God, you know what, God, I've never thought of myself as a leader. I've never thought of myself as having influence. And God, this morning, I want to just give my life to you. And God, I want you to use me I want you to make me, mold me as a great leader, as a great influencer in in the sphere of influence you have given me. And so this morning, maybe that just is is a prayer for you to say, God, here I am. Take what I have, God, and use it to influence and to lead people in righteousness. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the incredible gift of life. Father, thank you for the incredible gifts that you have given to us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. You have a purpose for every life you have created. And so, God, this morning, as we just continue to look to you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal, maybe for some people in here this morning, the first time, what that plan, what that purpose, why they're here on this earth at this time, that, God, you want to use them to lead others and to influence others for the kingdom of God. Lord, maybe there are people here that are already aware of that leadership and how you're trying to influence them. And yet, God, this morning, you just want to go deeper. You want to be able to exert greater leadership and greater influence of their lives. And God, we just open our hearts, our spirits, and God, just say, yes, Lord, use me in deeper ways to influence people for you. So, Father, this morning, I just pray wherever we may find ourselves, that we just come and we surrender, we yield up our life to you. And Father, this morning as we come and again we just receive the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus, God, would you once again just use that, God, to influence, to lead us, to confirm, God, and just again to reveal the depths of your love for us as nothing else will ever do. We just thank you for this opportunity to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.